While this podcast contains little to no explicit material, it is sprinkled with some uncensored swears. Listener discretion is advised. Like skin, pray for evenings in. Hold their hands in the street when you walk them off to school. A box too full to shut, a cardboard paper cut, the bleeding edge of a picture of your parents when they were cool. So much to say, I forget to start. There goes a day fading as it passes. Forget the gray, let it fall apart. It's okay, I like you in glasses. Hey everybody. Welcome to hell. <laughs> Welcome to hell. We are your hosts for this evening of Hell Entertainment. Uh, the the Omniplex is open. <laughs> um... We, we, I want to begin this cast with, and I think Zephyr, you would agree with me, this would be the appropriate thing, explaining what this is, why we decided to do this, and dedicating it to the memory of some special people in our lives. For those of y'all that don't, that remember, we were supposed to do the Nutcracker in 3D next. Here's a list of everything that has happened in the time since. We've, we've been sick. Amanda has been sick multiple times. I've been in the hospital multiple times with her. Uh, I've been in two separate hospitals in Little Rock. Let me tell you, that's an experience. Uh, she is better now, I want to point out. I was in a car accident last Friday. Um, by the time this cast comes out, we will know if my car is totaled or repairable, but either way, it's going to be a long, long, long period for me. Financial support would be amazing. You want you want to drop that link? I will drop that link, yeah, because I'm there's there's gonna be some there's gonna be a lot of costs associated with this. Um in the best case scenario. Um Link in the blog, folks. Link in the blog. Um, gotta do what I gotta do. Um, and one, la- you know, and, and most importantly, people close to us died. Um, I lost my father-in-law the week of Christmas. Mike Gillen was a good man. I love him. Uh, Albert was lucky enough to meet him briefly. Good guy. Good guy. Yeah, he seemed he seemed really really good. Like good I people. will. He his may his memory be a blessing. Is what I say to that. Um, I prefer that so much to rest in peace. I I learned that this year and I love it. Mm. So we are going. Remember that we are going to double back mm-hmm. and get Nutcracker at Easter. Is what we're going to do. That's our plan. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and then on my end, um, I've moved. Yep. Yeah, personal reasons. I've moved, and I'm currently living with some friends. Also. Speaking of death, um, my my last living grandparent had passed away week of Christmas, and I didn't learn about it until Christmas Eve. So, which yeah, it sucked entirely. But I day after Christmas was the first was the visitation hours, and that was like five six hours away from where I'm at. So had to decided i'm like hey i'm gonna pay my respects because somehow i ended up being the only one from my immediate family to do so and since i have 
not seen my extended family, at least on that side, in over four years because of reasons. I will say that they were very, very surprised and overjoyed that I had shown up. And they welcomed me with open arms, which which is really the best possible outcome considering the circumstances. So, and then right now, as of this recording, I'm coming up on one year since testing positive for COVID. And oh, yeah, that's right. It's been a long ass year. Jeez. Y'all, my attention span has gotten significantly worse. I'm, I've definitely suffered some mental damage yeah ongoing mental damage stuff that will probably never be repaired long covid is real people mm-hmm. i'm forgetting stuff more and more and it's i've pretty much lost all sense of what time is because everything just blends into one another so in essence these covid casts that we've been doing are or just like low, not just time capsules for us because you know we're tracking how things are going, but because it's a chronicle. Yeah, it's a chronicle. Mm-hmm. Since I have to remember, okay, what the hell did I do these past few months? And as it stands right now, since we might as well put a pin in this cast and date it, um, Omicron is out. It's been out for a while people are you know still noticeably dying and it's bad it's, it's spreading real fast like it's ripping through my workplace like i would say it's spreading like the plague but i mean that's literally what's going on here yes. absolutely and <sighs> i don't know about y'all but i'm still waiting on those stimulus checks that were promised yeah we uh, we, we we will we will not use Here's the thing. I'm going to avoid getting political because if I did, I would be screaming and yelling for the rest of this cast. Um, disappointment is a mild understatement as to how I feel about the state of the government handling things. They're not handling it at all, period. And that's it. I want to move on because I, I, I have enough anger and rage in my life that I've been dealing with this month. Uh, my therapist was actually a little bit, I think, unsettled. So, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it it's it's bad. It's bad. It's very bad. So let's 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 try and distract ourselves with some art. Yeah, I will say that with mine, I am going to briefly mention one that's a, a political movie, but I feel like we should breeze right past that one. Mm. Uh, which one? It's it's gonna be uh, don't look up. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> but let's let's let's. In fact, Albert, you want to get the ball rolling? Sure, I got a few here. So, okay, yeah, first one, just the other way, I saw Don't Look Up. I saw it on Christmas Eve, uh, <laughs> just because, like, you know, it. me and Tab thought it would look funny, and it was. It was very funny. It's an Adam McKay film. Uh, he's done some interesting work these past few years. He also did Vice. Yeah, he also did The Big Short, which I was not fond of whatsoever. It's like... Is. I I love his straight comedies, but God, he has his head so far up his ass right now, and it's a little cloying to me. Yeah, 
I'm not. I am avoiding. Don't look up because I have an apocalypse <laughs> uh, anxiety. Issue. Yeah. I've talked about this in my books. Yeah, I can fully understand that. I know it freaked me out. Uh, yeah, yeah. Because uh, spoiler alert, it does not end well. No, of course it's um, not. But yeah, I haven't seen. I am postponing watching. Don't look up. Like I'll get to it eventually, but oh. it's the it's the fucking discourse. It'll be there. <laughs> you can. Oh, oh yeah. You can definitely wait. Like it's not gonna go anywhere. Oh, I know. So. It's the discourse is just so. Yeah. Thick. That's, oh, that's why I don't really pay attention. Like I don't. Ever since, um, okay, I'll just say it. Ever since uh, leaving, exiting the Brony fandom, I have just been a big proponent of not reading the comments. What? Well, understandably so yeah like i'll catch like yeah what i catch i'll read like just from friends on facebook and whatnot but otherwise i just don't anyway i enjoyed it for like the thing that it was but man had to had to watch some some comedy to shake it off like really had to shake it off the other thing i want to mention just for the levity after that is some is you know just kind of jump briefly over into the tv side uh, me and my girlfriend got into a British, uh, like, 12-season show that we're working our way through called Taskmaster. Cool. And it's, yeah, it was recommended uh, to me by a podcast I listen to called Wonderful, hosted by Griffin and Rachel McElroy. Great, great podcast. And uh, it's a British, it's a British TV show. It's a, It has a panel of comedians. It's hosted by two comedians. Um, and basically, they... They assign each of them like a task that they kind of show in succession. Uh, uh, like it's filmed kind of in front of a studio audience, and then they have like a video component, which is like all the tasks at, at, that uh, are filmed at this like one house in London. And uh, they have like an envelope, like a sealed envelope, and they open it and they have to do like seemingly simple tests like okay roll the roll this uh beach ball through like roll this beach ball and get it to like you can't touch it at all only water can touch it and uh, you have to get it to the finish line and there's like say an obstacle course like thing kind of set up with a brick wall in the way and it's all in how each comedian like interprets how to do the task like if they if they try to bend the rules a bit, like it's all about like lateral thinking, like some just tried to straightforward roll it through the, through the tiny brick wall, <laughs> like loose piled bricks. And uh, one of them thought that was the finish line <laughs> and went, looked up and went, Oh, Oh shit. No. <laughs> and one of them just like rolled it around outside of the boundaries. Cause you know, it never says you have to go in the boundaries, stuff like that. And it's it's just really, really hilarious. And they, you know, they talk about it after and, you know, give score. And uh, the prizes are at the beginning is like the first task. Each person has to bring in something that either they own or bought and it has a theme. And also is uh, staked upon how they interpret <laughs> that. So like one person, one's like... Uh, bring in a valuable thing one person brought in their wedding ring <laughs> and said well i hope i win this competition he didn't <laughs> i had to look up did he actually give away the wedding ring 
the internet's like nobody knows but you know it was for the joke so he probably got it back <laughs> but anyway it's hilarious it's all on youtube there are like 12 seasons of it 10 episodes each i i heartily recommend james a caster as on is in uh, one of them if you know him and uh yeah and each season it rotates out comedians uh-huh. so yeah that's my long bit on taskmaster it's real funny anyway back to back to movies so yeah if you ever want just nice lighthearted liberty and the uk version there's one season of the american version which uh we tried last night it's not as good <laughs> is it ever no. no not really but anyway so thanksgiving uh we watched a uh, free guy with ryan reynolds still need to get to that one mm, it's nice it's good yeah. uh it's everything you you'd expect from a current Ryan Reynolds movie. It's well done. Taika Waititi plays the bad guy. See that that right there. You got me. That's that's gonna be fun. Oh fucking absolutely. <laughs> He's great. Like they're all great. like he shows up like maybe halfway through the movie after being like a specter for most of it. But yeah, he, but no, he's perfect. And after that, he just chews up the scenery real good. Uh, <laughs> see, I watched uh, I watched Shang Chi. Yeah, uh, let's wait. just put a pin in that one. Uh, we're going to come back to that one. Yeah, cause... Okay. All right, we shall. But, uh, yep, it's on Disney Plus now, so we No, what it. the hell, let's get to that one, because it's the Marvel movie that I'm going to get into is much bigger. And, okay. Uh, I want to hear what you thought of it, and then I'll say what I thought. Okay, so I liked it. Uh, Aquafina's in it. Uh, Tab and I are big fans of Aquafina. It did... There's a nice... Like, I don't want to give too many spoilers, but there's a nice tie-in to uh, the Mandarin. Yeah, like, since that actually hasn't been spoiled by the marketing at all. It, though I've <laughs> spoiled it all over my Twitter feed. But you Absolutely. Know. But yeah, it's one of those things where uh, I think it's pretty well handled uh, as far as the history of that character goes. Yeah, oh god, uh, yes. Much better than what we've had. Uh, I couldn't even finish the uh, collection of the per- of the comics that I read of the character because they were so racist. Oh man, oh man. But yeah, yeah. It's it was a nice, good little story. I, I enjoyed it very much. And uh, Teb and I riffed on it the entire time, which which is fun. the point of the movie. It's made to be that way. Just for the record, fun. my thoughts are the same. It's nice and it's light. I compared it to Coke Zero of martial arts movies. Yes, which is and it's I, not it's not the real thing. You're not going to uh-huh. mistake it. But it's damn satisfying for what it is, and it still gives you what you're looking for. That is good. Yeah, that's a good... And uh, also, further slight spoilers, I am overjoyed that Bing Kingsley returned. Oh, that was the one that I was the, that I thought was the, was the spoiler that was the... Yeah. No, yeah, yeah Ben Kingsley's actually in a pretty sizable role. Uh-huh. <laughs> yes, which was... They, they don't erase his character. Um, no. One thing I do want to point out is we must note that one of the editors is a film room yes. Omniplex veteran. Shouts yes. to Elizabeth Ronalds. Uh, joy to have joy to see her name and on the big screen again. I love it. I love seeing her name. It's like, hey, look. <laughs> also, she's just a lovely person. I've continued to interact with her since the cast. Good. Yeah, she is. <laughs> so yes. So, I'm, so I, I I am real happy for her. Yeah. Yeah. For yeah, I'm happy for her. <laughs> it's a good film to work on. Oh yeah, every every film she's touched uh, these past two years has been oh excellent. Yeah. But yes, let's see what else. I saw the thing twenty eleven with um, Mary Elizabeth Winston as the main character, and uh, it's pretty good. It's simultaneously a remake and a prequel. It's uh, weird. Yeah, it is. 
but you know it basically ends with the beginning of the next film um and it takes place in the same time period so there you go but yeah it was it's a good little remake okay i'm gonna touch on two films back to back because i want to say a little bit about in the heights yeah that's i forgot the time frame and that was when that was released i might have mentioned it in the last yeah, um, yeah. i think it was like yeah either, it was june it was, yeah, june, it was june. june god this year this year anyway i will say uh there was some i still love limo miranda <laughs> like there were like people criticized that movie up and down for not having like black skin latinos in there like because the movie is all about the representation and they're like well you missed some and he's like well yeah <laughs> like I'm he, he's very sorry. good about taking criticism yeah. he is very good about taking criticism and learning from it because i couldn't help but notice in the next movie i want to talk about Encanto that yeah there were very much some black skin latinos in there and i can't you know i don't know if there's a connection but i can't help that lynn you know uh the feeling that lynn said something because, you know, there enough time passed between In the Heights and when Kento came out. But, yeah, I just have that feel. So, you know, good on him if that if that's the case. But also, I really loved Kento. Solid over Christmas. Yeah, the soundtrack I have listened to on repeat the last week uh, has been on repeat. It's going to be his Oscar. Let's oh, God, yeah. He wrote about uh, six or seven songs for it. And... Uh, and the movie is just very heartwarming and, you know, made me cry. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, it's very good. It's also on Disney Plus right now. I know that it, like, while it was in theater, uh, I didn't see much, like, I saw all the advertising, but didn't see much talk about it. Then when it came out on Disney Plus, that's when, yeah, that's when it caught fire. Because, of course, I think people are trying to, again, avoid the theater now. I don't blame. But, yeah, Absolutely. Uh, it is. It took off. Let's see. Um, speaking of theater, the last one I saw this past month was Ghostbusters Afterlife. Cool. Mm-hmm. That. Oh. <laughs> I hope to see that next weekend. I'm hoping to to throw that on next weekend, and that's kind of my plan. Absolutely. It is a love letter to Harold Ramis. Yeah, he is his his Ghostbusters character is very omnipresent in the film. And that further, I won't say. Uh, but yeah, it is very much like a love letter to everything. It is a proper Ghostbusters 3. Of course, everyone shows up. Um, <laughs> that's, you know, that's also all I'll say. Um, you know, that's in the trailer, so I'm not gonna, you know. But the hint of that is in the trailer. But anyway, cast is fantastic. Paul Rudd also does real great, um, as always. Uh, he plays a teacher that like that uh, uh, he teaches a I forgot what even the class was, but it doesn't matter because all he does is show horror movies <laughs> while he works on his science stuff in the other room. Uh, it's really funny. But anyway, yeah, Ghostbusters Afterlife. Let's see. Saw Black Widow. I forgot what time period frame that was and whether we talked about the last one. May. No, no, it was July. It was July that it came out in. Okay, all right. So, let's see. I would have seen it. I forgot. Anyway, well, Black Widow also has to do with Hawkeye, which I also saw. 
Um, yeah. Um, TV series. I saw Hawkeye. And, uh, yeah. I thought. Uh, it, thought. <laughs> it's bingeable, is how I would describe it. It's very bingeable. And uh, it has very likable characters, like the new characters. And uh, it was a nice, like, you know, because we haven't had a a real deep delve into Hawkeye and his whole situation. And this is after, like, it, ha- it has a lot to do with his, uh, what he did during the intervening years between uh, Infinity War and Endgame and how he reconciles with that. And, uh, and of course, a new character, uh, Kate, I was Kate Hudson. Bishop, Kate Bishop, Kate because I'm, Bishop. because I'm a very diehard fan of the character from the comics. So there you go. And, uh, I mean, I, I don't know how she would have been handled better than this. This is, this is the best adaptation we could have gotten for the character. There isn't a single missed note. And obviously Haley Steinfeld was perfect casting. Oh, absolutely. So her chemistry yeah. with Florence Pugh, by the way, is <laughs> bizarre how good it is. I just want to watch a series of them just running around, just shooting the shit. Cause they are so good together. I love it. I love the, the elevator scene and just that, that whole thing. It's like, Stop making me like you. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's bizarre because Yelena Belova in the comics is a shit character. She's a terrible character. She was blatantly designed as, what if Pamela Anderson was a Black Widow? Uh, and they have done so much better with her on the movie and TV mm-hmm. front. Yeah. Mm, good. But I, I, good dug, I dug the hell out of Hawkeye. I watched one episode while I was at the emergency room. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Well, there you go. So, yeah, no, it was great. I saw Tokyo Godfathers. It's a it's a uh, Japanese animated movie. It's really good. It was written by the lady that wrote half of uh, Cowboy Bebop and Samurai Champloo and you know involved with all um, all those. And she died recently. Kiko Nobumoto. That's her name. So rest in peace. You know she's done some great work. Tokyo Godfathers is really good. I um, uh, I highly suggest it. Uh, more I cannot say, because you just kind of have to watch it. But to finish up with some with TV, uh, recently because I didn't finish it the first time, uh, and I know, um, can I give it small spoiler that I got for Spider Man? Yes. About who shows up, um daredevil yep yeah yeah okay you just confirmed i'm right okay so yeah i got that but you know went oh well i would have liked to cut that (laughs) like on my own but that's awesome so i'm gonna be talking about a more obvious spoiler when it comes when because when i talk about the movie so but yeah daredevil has one scene yes and and i will spoil it's fantastic awesome yeah, it's the uh, it's the TV show version, of course, and of course Wilson Fisk shows up in Hawkeye. Yeah, they've made that show canon. They've, they've just... it's hard it's hard canon now. At least that show, I don't know about the others. Yeah, but that that kind of makes the whole Netflix diverse uh, canon, you know, which is nice, which is nice. But anyway, so yeah, Tab and I are going through Daredevil right now. We just finished the second season, which is the one I had uh, like for some reason not finished previously. Now I finished it, and wow, wow, everything just kind of flies apart. But anyway, finished Community since uh, our last recording, 
think it's since our yeah it's since our last record and uh yeah very uneven very good but very uneven yeah and that's due to circumstances watched uh the first season of inside job uh <laughs> is created by co-created by uh alex hirsch uh of gravity falls it's real funny it's really funny it's on netflix and of course the live action cowboy bebop we were miss if we didn't talk about that it was unfortunately canceled for whatever reason by netflix they cancel things based on their algorithm which is real shitty but yeah there's a campaign to try to bring it back right now it's one of those it's not perfect i felt like the tone was right and i know people are kind of nitpicky about it for other you know various reasons but i liked it very much and uh i feel like it needs another season to kind of develop a little bit you know like it was it there's something there and it was just kind of squashed before it could uh come to fruition if that makes sense or come to come to its own because it very much was setting up its own little like thing because spoiler alert for the anime series um spike dies at the end like it's set up from the beginning that he'll die at the end of the series and uh, it gets to this and it gets to that moment and um also spoilers for a live action version i guess it gets to that moment in uh the live action version and well he survives <laughs> and it does end on like kind of a doubter note for a lot of a lot of the characters you know which is you know not a great way to end a series <laughs> you know that's supposed to co- that is obviously supposed to continue but radical edward also shows up at the end so you know i'd like to see a season with her <laughs> anyway that's my cowboy bebop rant and uh i believe that gets to the end of my content <laughs> okay so zephyr you want to take it yeah uh i'm gonna start with television i've been enjoying uh miracle workers the tbs series with uh, daniel radcliffe and steve buscemi Oh, hell yeah. Yes. Hard to go wrong with those guys. Yeah. Um, season three isn't up on HBO Max yet, but other than that, I'm fully caught up. I do love how it's just individual eras for each season and seeing what goes on from there. Um, clearly, Radcliffe and Buscemi are having the time of their life. Um, excellent chemistry together. Also, Buscemi is just happy. It's a joy to see that man smile. I mean, it's a joy to see him in literally anything, but... It's very much a... uh, That show continues because you can tell that the cast and crew just love working with each other. Oh, yes. And it's growing in audience each year, too. Oh, hell yeah. It's one that I hear more talk about every single year, so... So, yeah. The Daniel Radcliffe uh, striptease scene alone... Yeah, that's uh, that's in season three, and I'm not there yet, but I've heard... You've heard about it. Okay, no more, I, I will say. Yes, I am aware that it exists, and I can't wait to watch that. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's fantastic, and it, it sideswipes you. It's great. Good, good. <laughs> uh, let's see, what else? I've also watched, and am actually re-watching... Uh, very quickly, uh, Saturday morning's all-star hits. So. I really wanted to get to this, and if I hadn't been in the car accident, might have. Okay, well, uh, it's uh, 
Netflix limited series where uh, Kyle Mooney does a parody slash homage to the Saturday morning block, particularly of the 80s and 90s. And it's, I'll be honest, it's after I watched the series the first time, I looked at the reviews and they were not kind, to say the least. They were not kind to it at all. However, it's... It's more of a cerebral kind of, not kind of comedy. It, it You don't have to be smart to enjoy it. It's You might not laugh out loud at everything, but your brain will pick up on things. And it's, it's story-driven. As each episode progresses, we learn more and more about this block. And, and they do an homage to Cartoon All-Stars to the rescue. Ha ha ha. Awesome. And, I figured... Yeah, With a name like that, they probably would. Yeah, and I I sent a a brief image of what they tried to do, and yeah, like they they've got uh, what is it a parody of like Dexter the Dinosaur, and then you have another where it's a parody of like uh, the Popples and Care Bears and you know the cute furry animals of that era, and then you get into some of the more hardcore stuff where you have the ultra-violent sports series Pro Bros and how yeah. it tackles drug use and addiction. And, it like, if you know the, the tropes of Saturday morning cartoons and that era, you'll, you'll probably enjoy this. I did go through all of Cinematic Titanic. Yeah. I know... God bless Joel for trying to keep his, you know, his initial creation alive with Mystery Science Theater and how, but the writing is just not the same. It it really isn't. And it hurts. Because with this, you have a good chunk of the creators back for this sequel, kind of. Like, it takes place... After Mystery Science Theater. Yes, because they do another riff of Santa Claus Conquers the Martians. And Trace makes a comment about how he's already been through the ringer before. So they do allude to those events. But whether they acknowledge that it's in the universe as a series of events or a television show, it's not made clear. But... Yeah, the writing is not necessarily the greatest, and it's not. It doesn't get good until the very end, where it it's the live shows. Um, you can stream the entire uh, series on Tubi. Um, just do it in chronological order. Refer to Wikipedia for that. Yeah, just not not really good films that. Like, these were films that they probably would have done on Mystery Science Theater, but they would be filler episodes. Yeah. Because they do have that vibe to them. I've had an Australian friend uh, give me a link to each new episode of the Australian show Bluey as as they air. And I, I still think Lola would be enthralled by it. Lola is enthralled by it, as a matter of fact. Oh, she, good. Yeah, Lola good. quite likes it. Lola quite likes it. We, we've watched it. No, it's totally her thing. Oh, yeah. And you have the father actually being a f- 
a good father figure, one of the best father figures. And it's sweet. It's sweet. Yeah, it's very sweet. I'm thrilled to hear that Lola is enjoying it. Yay. I also watched uh, Rainier Werner Fassbender's Eight Hours Don't Make a Day, a short-lived and ultimately canceled limited series from 70s Germany that uh, tackled socialist themes like uh, establishing centers for the community, like having a public-run daycare center. And we get to see the process of establishing a union which, yeah, go unions. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you're looking at maybe an hour and 40 minutes for each episode, which totals eight hours. But yeah, if you do get a chance to watch it somewhere, go ahead and give it a spin. It's very warm, very, very loving. Yeah, good. Saw Great Gatsby 2013. Uh, the... It's not good. I don't know that you can make that story work. I, I'm just going to say it. Um, it's been tried over and over again. If it couldn't work this time with this team, yeah, you have to fundamentally accept that the source material sucks. Yeah, because I saw the Redford version back in high school when we covered it, and, it, and at the time, the Baz Luhrmann version was in production. Yeah. But... It, it looked pretty, but then again, so do most other Baz Luhrmann films. It's definitely not my favorite, not by any means. I mean, Moulin Rouge is still amazing because it's style and substance, whereas this, no. Let me, because I've been holding on to these vents about this book for 20 plus years, there's no substance to the right Gatsby. That's the problem with it. Is there's no substance. It's the thinnest, shallowest critiques of American culture, and it bugs me. Oh God, it's going to be sad when I talk positive stuff about some much worse art later. I mean, if you want to talk about bad art, I also watch Loquisha. Ah, talk about this. <laughs> Please do. Yes, yeah, yes. Yeah, so if you all remember, a few years ago there was a trailer for. A film where a white uh, radio host puts on a black affect and tries to use that as a ruse. It was revealed that this film, despite it claiming to have won awards, did not. Yeah, it, it's not good by any stretch of the imagination because you have our hero's main goal is to be a radio host in 2019 when you know, podcasts exist and, you know, we're in a post satellite radio. I mean, there's just like so many reasons this doesn't work. Yeah. We're, it's like, you're trying to be a radio host in an era of Infowars and Joe Rogan. Okay. And so he's trying to get the blessing of a black woman to pose as Loquisha when they have to do physical meet and greets. Which goes as well as you expect. And then, you know, right-wing humor with the one joke that they only know about trans people. About, you know, it's like, I feel like a black woman trapped in a white man's body. Okay. 
Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, would point, I would point out that Nathan Rabin has written on these uh, on uh, this movie and everything else that Jer- Jeremy Sapple did extensively. Uh, and I highly recommend his writing on it because, yeah, he makes it clear that however bad people thought this movie was going to be in their heads, it's way worse. It's it's way worse. Yeah. Tubi did mistakenly bill this as horror comedy back in October when I saw it, which, yeah, it, it's horrible that it's considered a comedy. <laughs> yeah, it's... Yeah. Oh, my. It, 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 it's not good. No comedy, which suggests that they did not watch it, <laughs> or maybe fine. that, or maybe that they did. <laughs> no, sure. I'm pretty sure they didn't watch it because right now they have under they have Bowling for Columbine under Buddy movies. That no, <laughs> I'm gonna I'm, I'm gonna just like Homer Simpson back up into the hedge. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah that that's what we're that's what we're dealing with. Yeah. Yeah. Next. Ugh. Okay. Anyway. <laughs> I did rewatch and more or less introduce slash force one of my roommates, uh, Emma, into watching uh, Miss Velma's Incredible Christmas, Magnificent Christmas, whatever the hell. It is as miraculous as it sounds. Mm-hmm. It's, it's stiff as a board. It's unappealing. It's a spectacular exercise in illusions of grandeur. I was going to say it's it's stiff as a board, light as a feather. D- mm, I know. <laughs> it's stiff as a board, light as a brick. There you go. Yes, it is very much what a Make America Great Again Christmas pageant would look like if it was in the 70s. Ew. Yeah. Great. It, which, yeah, that's something we have to unfortunately contend with but well you know uh make america great again the 70s was strictly a clan thing (laughs) yeah let's not go for the obvious joke here let's just move on i'm not saying that it's not still but anyway that's the point yep yes okay continuing (laughs) um also did a rewatch of the infamous rhapsody street kids believe in santa and this one was an online event with Bill and Kevin from Riff Tracks. Cool. This was not scripted. So a few things didn't quite land as well. Um, if it were scripted and put out as a Christmas, like their Christmas offering, you know, that, that'd be a gem. But what we did get as their Christmas offering this year was... I was hoping you were going to bring this up because I wanted to talk about this. Dancing, it's on. Now, I have not seen the riff of this yet, but I'm glad that they covered it. Then, then I will take it in my segment because I want to talk about the riff then. David DeWinter, best known as A-Reb from the original West Side Story film, and probably better known as the director of Space Mutiny. Sort of. Sort of. He directed and stars in this film. Like, I have been waiting to see this for quite a while, and I finally got into it, and I'm like, hey, Emma, let me show you something. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it it's beautiful. It's I'm great. not even going to, you know what, I'm not going to hold my thoughts on on the riff until the segment, because I need to get them in here where it's relevant. Oh my god, the riff is everything you could have ever hoped for. Um, I have a theory that they had two riffs that they considered for theatrical this year. 
and just didn't get to them because of, you know, they had to get the contractual obligations for Hobgoblins and Amityville. I will be getting to Hobgoblins. So my thought on this is it was this and Gumby the movie that I think they wanted to go theatrical with. Oh, yes, absolutely. You because... could tell you could tell these were probably meant to be a larger event. But again, well, OK, not again, but yeah, the, what we got this year for Hobgoblins in Amityville was was a result of them pushing back last year's mm-hmm. live shows. Yeah. And could we potentially see Gumby and Dancing It's On as live shows? I would love to see that. I'd love to see it because the riff they have for both of those are good riffs. Uh, Dancing It's On is probably one of the best riffs they've done in years. And I see that I did, in fact, talk about Hobgoblins Live last time. So, yes. So I will not be getting to it. Uh, it's Though it is now available on video on demand, as is Amityville, um, I highly recommend Hobgoblins Live. It's great. The riff for this one, though, it's hysterical. It's funny. It's bold. It's You can tell that they every single scene gives them material to work with, and they just go all in. This is this is every bit as good as you hoped it was going to be. You know, you talk about the writing on Cinematic Titanic. It's really got to be stressed that they have some fantastic writers who I'm actually fans of. Uh, Connor Lestalka, I'm probably getting his name wrong, bear with me, uh, one of their head writers, uh, worked on the blog Citation Needed, uh, the uh, Wikipedia, worst of Wikipedia blog, and was his, that's good stuff. So he's he's the real deal. Uh, they have some fantastic writers right now. And uh, yeah, the riff for dancing, it's on, highly recommended. Yeah. Anyways, awesome. I'll let you go finish your segment. Okay. Let's check it out. <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh, what else? I also showed Emma the Santa Claus movie, the uh, Mexican Santa Claus, the one where he fights Satan. Cardona's. Yes. Yes, we watched the live riff tracks version of it. Cool. And honestly, the the print that they got for it is really good. Why do they? I mean, I know why they do it. It's because you're seeing in a theater. You don't want to look like you don't want it to look like crap, but. They did the same for Hobgoblins. I don't think it's ever looked better than it did on that print. That's probably the best print that's ever been in circulation. If there's anything that you can take from Mystery Science Theater and it's uh, and it offshoots, uh, it's, hey, speeding up film preservation. Or encouraging, I should say, encouraging film preservation, yeah. which is awesome. It's great. I mean, also the hilarity, of course, but, you know. Yeah. Uh, let's see, speaking of comedy, I finally got around to watching both uh, live-action Brady Bunch theatrical films. <laughs> yeah, those have a place in my heart. <laughs> yeah, I don't know why I haven't seen them sooner. They are hysterical. They are it's, hilarious. It's, <laughs> it's camp. It's high camp. And <laughs> I, think I it am... Com- I am here for it. I think it comes down to the fact that all of the actors are playing it exactly straight. They are never giving away the joke. Gary Cole as Mike Brady is some genius casting because he's such a weirdo in everything else that he does, but he plays it so straight. And I've got, yeah, I got nothing but, I got nothing but love for these. These are two good movies. Oh yes. Oh, and also one of the few franchises that's entirely female directed. Didn't know that. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. I mean, there is the third film where 
where it's the Brady's go to the White House, but they didn't get most of the cast for that back, and it was more of a direct-to-TV film, which is why I say the theatrical films, but yeah. still, I didn't. I wasn't even aware of the existence of the third. It's best we not, so... Ah, okay. Yeah. Well, good to know. Yeah. Like I said, the two Brady Bunch films... Um, I can go back to forgetting about it. <laughs> yes, you can easily watch both of them in one sitting back to back and because i i have seen some of the episodes growing up so there's enough there to appeal to the fans while also you know poking fun at how cornball (laughs) that series was (laughs) yeah those are good the fantastic cameo from the original brady mom at the end of the first. And Alice as well. Yep. Yes. Yes. <laughs> so much good to be said. Yeah. Oh, yes. I I love them. Then there is Youth Men, which is a an indie film where it's a Spinal Tap approach to Christian youth ministry. Now, obviously, the audience for this is very niche. Yeah. But... But I am part of that audience. I did go to the retreats and they nailed all of. Oh, that's cool. They nailed the stereotypes, the uh, over ecstatic masculine leader. That's really just a child in a man's body. The, uh, the loner, the, you also have the uh, one who questions or criticizes the Christian faith. You also have the ultra meek girl who dresses very, uh, very conservatively, like pre-Vatican I. Yes. Um, is there, there is a subplot involving gay panic, but it's par for the course because of what this film is about. And I'm like, I'll allow this. But yeah, it's Spinal Tap for church ministry. This actually sounds something like something I would look up. It's on Tubi at, at the cool. present moment. So Jennifer's body. Yeah. Yes. I forgot. I also saw this for the first time. Yes. This has <laughs> really had a hard reevaluation in recent years. Oh, very much so. Like I, I had heard off and on that it was con- deemed not good, but looking back on it, it was from critics who were white, cis, heterosexual male Mm -hmm. and also judging it up against juno yeah yeah and especially getting the backlash for juno yeah so that's unfair Mm -hmm. yeah so yeah but i didn't really bother you know getting around to it until right around halloween i'm like sure why not and it's great i mean hell criterion channel actually put it on there for halloween i could bizarre as it is i could see this being something that winds up in criterion eventually just because it is such a feminist intensely feminist horror film you know made by two very strong female voices karen kasama and uh, diablo cody it's oh, yes. it's really got it's really gotten a reevaluation, and i'm glad it has because Oh, that was fantastic at the time. I'm it deserves it. It's brilliant satire. It, uh, as has been pointed out, it is very queer. Mm-hmm. It is. It's one of the few movies that can have the uh, 
you know, the inevitable, oh, shocking girl on girl kiss and have it be, oh, no, 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 no. There's a point to the shit. That if you're paying attention, mm-hmm. it, it's first rate. It's first rate. I'm, I'm glad it's gotten a reevaluation. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Because it, it's definitely a lot better than one other quote unquote feminist horror film I watched called Bit, where it's female vampires trying to establish a female only vampire coven i guess by slaughtering every male possible because of toxic masculinity and it doesn't work how i was sold on it was that our hero was a trans woman getting involved in this i'm like okay that but they never really established the fact that she's trans and you would have to like look up like who was involved in the movie to understand that it was indeed a trans actor or actress, sorry, playing the role because that aspect nowhere in the film. Also, it uses uh, the song Rasputin, like not like a snippet. They played the entire song during a flashback sequence. It's yeah, I would gladly take Jennifer's body over uh this any day of the week okay so going from that to a female centric film there is never rarely sometimes always uh came out a year or so ago uh from from britain i believe and it's a quiet story about a girl from pennsylvania who is in high school is pregnant and tries to get an abortion um And I bring up the fact that it's from Britain because it brings a different lens than if it were an American production. Because, yes, it does go into uh, faith and protest because we do have a sequence where our protagonist has to wade through a very large protest outside of a clinic. And in, in ostensibly what is or was Trump's America at the time. So, yeah. Obviously, the it's not a feel-good film by any stretch of the imagination. It's, it's quiet and thoughtful, and it shows, you know, the steps someone needs to take in order to have this particular procedure done. St. Maud. Yeah, I'm going to let you vent on this one, because I know this has been coming for you. Okay, so premise of St. Maud, you... It's a horror film where a woman, a female caretaker who is holier than thou, believes that she's divinely inspired by God and has done and will do mercy killings of her clients. And the latest client we see is a disabled lesbian. And so, yeah, the homophobia is there as, you know, it's part of the element. But what pisses me off is that it's the latest in the in the horror subgenre of, you know, are they really divinely inspired or are they just really mentally fucked in the head? I hate this trope, and I actually think it's extremely toxic and dangerous. I had only sought it out because it was uh, added to the ever-growing 1001 movies you must see before you die list, along with Never, sometimes, never, rarely, sometimes, always. Um, 
yeah it it tries its best to to discuss that particular notion of you know are are they divinely inspired or just fucking nuts and uh it does neither well because yeah it yeah it's horror because you know you have a caretaker that wants to fucking murder you as if we already don't have enough of that sentiment in real life just because i'm curious what are like some other films in this genre like with this trope i should say i mean if you can think of some austin go go right ahead frailty seems to be the place that we've really started seeing this trope in recent years i say recent years that movie is two decades old but i'm sorry i'm old as shit so you know hey <laughs> I, I, frailty I feel that seems too. like yeah, frailty seems like a big place where this was a trope. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, because that's just not one I'm familiar with. It seems like it's a, a, an outgrowth of the fact that The Exorcist continues to move large, but people miss the point of that movie, which is that you can take the idea of religion and have it be a stand-in for the randomness of the universe, and that movie's horror still holds up. Like the point of the the point of the Exorcist is humanity is powerless against the universe. It just happens to be embodied in Catholic faith in this film, but it, it it's really anything. I I love the Exorcist. Never thought of that before, huh? But yeah, yeah, it's like the notion of divinely inspired or mentally ill. Yeah, you can definitely see it in really films per. <sighs> Like, there is a strain of, like, the post-God's Not Dead films where they've taken an anti-psychiatry, anti-medical stance. This is probably most prevalent in God's Club with one of the Baldwin brothers where there's a subplot where a, a kid ends up stopped taking medications yeah, because uh... his folks tell him that he doesn't need the medication, and it's like, um, no, you clearly fucking do. No, yeah, yeah, tell you someone who takes them, you do. Yeah, yeah, it's like, you need these medications in order to function and not be so depressed all the time. Speaking of disability, uh, there is No Other Love, a film by and large mostly forgotten. However, uh, this 1979 television film features one of the Walton boys and Marge Simpson herself as as the disabled couple. Um, This one, obviously a period of its time because of the language that is used. Also just some really bad ideas about romance because you have the Walton boy insists that she will marry him no matter what. And... That's not how any of this works. Yeah, like I said, mostly, by and large, forgotten unless you really just do a deep dive into Julie Kravner's work for whatever reason. I never promised you a rose garden. Uh, Kathleen Quinlan. Yeah, this cast, the cast for this is very unusual. Yeah. I'm, I'm not going to lie, because, yeah, you have Kathleen Quinlan, but you also have B.B. Anderson, best known for her work with Ingmar Bergman. Uh, Dennis Quaid is in this. Okay. So is Jeff Conaway. 
you also have Laureen Gary and uh, Susan Tyrell. Wow, that's a weird-ass cast. Oh, it gets weirder because not only is Susan Tyrell in this, so is Oingo Boingo. Sure. Yeah, they play uh, these tribe members of Kathleen's hallucinations. And they're only in two scenes, but it's them, which... You know, I bring up Susan Tyrell because she would work with them yes, on a Forbidden Zone. To, can I mention that I only just recently learned that Danny Elfman was a part of that? Okay. Yeah. Uh, it's just a fact that I learned this past right. week. Of it. Oh, yeah. I didn't know that. Interesting. All right. Yeah. And uh, this was also produced by Roger Corman. Yeah, um, as someone who studied what uh, he was doing in that age, it's not actually that shocking. He was pretty diverse, actually, in this age. Oh, yeah, no question. Uh, this one is rougher than most other uh, films dealing with institutions that were made of this era because, um, I mean, it's not necessarily one flew over the cuckoo's nest. But, yeah, it's one of those films where it's got a cast that really doesn't, deserve to be that stacked and mel gibson is briefly in it uncredited in one of his earliest film roles tomorrowland yeah i really want you to get through this as fast as possible because i hate this i have so much anger about this movie so just say what you're gonna say and let's go move on because i don't want to well it, it makes me angry what a waste yeah um i mean brad bird tried he tried but and then further attempt to put to film ideas that are based on Disney theme parks and or rides because it belongs with Haunted Mansion and Country Bears and Pirates of the Caribbean. We have a film that promotes eugenics. It's not outright stated, but when whenever they go to the actual Tomorrowland, um, everybody walks everybody's able yeah and and the point of the existence of tomorrowland is so that the best and brightest can reside there this is this is an idea that is no doubt very familiar to people from another work spitz um yeah it's uh it's kind of gross it's it's very gross yes i agree so so it's kind of how do you put this it's Atlas Shrugged. Yeah, it's... Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yes, it's, it is. Yeah. Yeah, okay. I don't think I could put any better than that. <laughs> it yeah. is Brad Bird just saying to everybody, hey, yes, everything you thought was true about The Incredibles is true. Mm. Yeah. Damn. I know. Yeah, okay. We're moving right along. <laughs> I will avoid that one then. I mean, I haven't seen it. Uh, now I will extra not see it. Like, it was the film that caused Disney to cancel a third Tron movie, but as as we've learned, they are actually making a third Tron movie. Oh, yeah, they're going to so. eventually get there. Yeah. There's but, too much money in it. Those are catalog titles for them. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tron Geek for Life. Yeah. Hey, Disney, um, if you could, like, ask Daft Punk to do it again so they get back together, that would be amazing. Please. <laughs> I need one more album. I've been waiting since 2013. Then they just broke up and I am still heartbroken. <laughs> yeah. That is my plea. Anyway, back to the podcast. 
Yes. Um, <laughs> a documentary, uh, The Reason I Jump, a sort of adaptation of the autism autobiography of the same name. It's got its problems. We're in the... Tw- the 2020s now and we're still adhering to the idea that parents should speak for their kids regardless of their ability to verbalize or not we're still in the mindset where it's absolutely okay to just show footage of meltdowns either past or present as this one does um like it's supposed to be about nonverbal autistic people which yes is a group that should be given more attention i agree and let them you know let them have their focus let them communicate however they can and give their thoughts sure 100 percent down for that absolutely but the way that this documentary went about it didn't it did give us a more international picture So it shows, you know, I forget which area specifically, but basically non-English speaking countries also, I don't want to say dealing with the problem, but, you know, they they get a chance to to uh, contribute because let's be honest, I'm, I'm sick and tired of having it be in America slash British focus, as it were. Yeah, I kind of caught that one on Netflix, and I'm just like, wow. Yeah, that's one way to approach this subject. I mean, of course, it, nothing could really top the sheer awfulness that that is I Am Autism, but that's... Ugh. Anyways, um, Lust in the Dust, the Divine and Tab Hunter uh, film that is not polyester. That is them trying to do Blazing Saddles. And you can't do Blazing Saddles if you're not Mel Brooks. It also hurts that the writing is not great. It, like, I wish we would have had more of Divine and Tap Hunter together because they're a great screen couple based on polyester. But this wasn't it. This was not it, unfortunately. But you do have to stress that polyester is still just superb. Oh, Oh, 100%. I love polyester. The original Nightmare Alley. I don't know when I'll get a chance to watch uh, Guillermo del Toro's version. But from what I saw of the original, it is a fantastic film noir. Yeah, the original is considered one of the all-time greatest. All-time greatest, despite that it really didn't have a home media release for the longest time. Or at least a prominent one. Because... Fox did put it out on DVD as part of their film noir classics line, but it was 2005, and that was the last time it was ever really touched until uh, this got a remaster and restoration from Criterion, and then Del Toro doing the latest adaptation. So curious to see where that one leads, but... By all means, definitely watch uh, the original, Nightmare Alley. Carol for Another Christmas. Essentially a Lost Twilight Zone episode that's full length before we got the Twilight Zone movie, for better or worse. 
Actually, no, four worse because people fucking died in that movie. But uh, it's a transposition of Charles Dickens' A Christmas Carol, but with themes of war and nuclear power. And it also is a miniature Dr. Strangelove reunion because you have Sterling Hayden as the uh, analog for Scrooge, and then you also have Peter Sellers as this egomaniacal authoritarian figure in, in the future that, you know, parallels are drawn, let, let's be honest. But it's one of those films that rarely has been seen until HBO Max decided to put it on, and I wish more people got around to watching it. Uh, let's see. D.A. Pennebaker's uh, documentary on the recording of the original cast album for Company. Um, and they're watching this about a week or two before Stephen Sondheim passed. Absolutely. It, it's short. It, it's less than an hour, but it's a great, tight docu- documentary look into how an album is recorded in that moment despite everything that goes on and, and the drama around it. And then Documentary Now did a superb parody to this with a co-op with a John Mulaney as the Stephen Sondheim figure. The story of a three-day pass. Uh, the late Melvin Van Peebles debut film tackles themes of being black and uh, dealing with racism in a, in romantic fashion, a hell of a lot better than Guess Who's Coming to Dinner. Absolutely worth checking out. Blanca Nieves, a 2012 film that was supposed to be the critical darling had the artist not existed. Because it's a modern silent film that retells Snow White and other associated fairy tales, but puts it in late 1800s or early 1900s Spain with Snow White as a bullfighter. Okay. That's unexpected. Yeah. I definitely prefer this one over the artist. Uh, I I generally don't like the artist in general, whether you put it up against Hugo or, or this. But... Uh, Blanca Nieves is a solid recommendation if you're looking for a different silent film. Sorry to bother you. Finally got around to watching that. Awesome. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was not prepared for the third, for the way the third act was going to go. Yep. I don't think anybody is. No. <laughs> no, that, that third act. Yeah. Whew. Very much relevant to uh, today's culture and definitely needs to be seen more by more people. I, I've had a few friends tell me, it's like, oh, you should watch this. And I'm like, yes, yes, I know, I know. I, then I sat down, I watched it, and I'm like, oh, that third act, mm, terrifying. Absolutely terrifying. Terrifying, completely unexpected. It blindsides you so good. Oh, yes. <laughs> That's all we will say about that. Just just go watch it. Go watch it. Go watch it. Uh, the Body Electric. Now, this one is a small 
uh, animated project that looks like it could be a pilot for a Saturday morning cartoon series. But what makes this one unique is that it employs the music of Rush in a post-apocalyptic fashion. So you hear uh, bits of 2112, like, along with other of their their hits from that time. Uh, that one you can easily find on YouTube. I've got three more here. Uh, the Big Bad Fox and Other Tales uh, from the creators of Ernest and Celestine. This one is definitely for Lola. Okay, I'll throw that I'll put that on the list for her. Mm-hmm. It's three stories put on by uh, animals as if it was a community theater production. Oh, that's cute. Yeah, it is cute. And if you liked uh, the style of Ernest and Celestine, you're you're definitely going to want to watch this. Now, the one film Lola should not be watching at this age is Ringing Bell. Yeah, I looked this up and there's no way in hell she'll be watching that anytime soon. No, no. I, I gave this one a rewatch. It's Sanrio's darkest output involving a lamb who decides to give in and become vengeful. It, it's only 46 minutes, but it's bleak as hell. It it kicks Bambi square in the nuts with its subject matter, and I love it. And the last one here, the last one here on my list. As of last night, I finished the Lone Wolf and Cub film series. Ooh. Yes, oh my gosh, it, it's beautiful. It's beautiful violence. It is. Six films, 90 minutes and under. Just see a dad and his son. You see a dad and his son go out and uh, take vengeance. The child actor that plays the son is one of the best child actors I have ever seen in my life. And this series was his only film work. That's that's interesting. Um, it It's a far bloodier far sexier, more sex-filled version of The Mandalorian, which, yeah, it's it's been said that this film series and the manga have been an influence on The Mandalorian, but it honestly, if you like that, you're going to want to watch these in order, all on HBO Max. And uh, that's those are my picks. I'm going to probably be going through my stuff just absolutely at, at speed run, partially because a lot of what I watched has already been mentioned by everybody else. Um, Can I jump back and mention one more thing that I completely forgot? Yeah. Yes. Okay, you mentioned Sanrio. Uh, I completely forgot I watched uh, Agretzko Season 4. And... So have I. Uh, it's great. It, like, it's, it's a lot better than Season 3. Yeah, I liked Season 3, but yeah, this... Uh, yeah, season three was dark, <laughs> but um, yeah, no, it's just a very smartly written show, and I think everyone should watch it. It's great. That's okay. all I could. That's all I will say about it. But anyway, go ahead. Well, go ahead. I'm gonna fire through mine. Um, the obvious ones that I hit were, like I said, I watched Dancing. It's on the Riff. Um, I watched a, a number of Riff Track shorts this month uh, or this period. Um, I, I've been watching Ducktales. Still, I'm still going through that. I would have been finished if not for the chaos that's been happening. I, I'm in season three now. I thought season two kind of hit a wall and I feel like season three is picking back from that and rebounding pretty good. The, the moon stuff in season two just absolutely was not my taste. 
I didn't care. I knew where it was going. It was just predictable. So that's my take on that. Um, I should have those reviews. I'm, I'm hoping to be finished by the, with this by the end of January. I'm hoping to be finished with the show. Um, let's see. I did watch What We Do in the Shadows, the new season of that. I thought it was it was supreme. I, I, I think the show gets better each year. I think it gets stronger each year. Also, Cave, also Cave and Novak has to be in Emmy contention just for the episode where he's impersonating everyone. Because it was only listening to him doing Matt Berry that I realized, no, he's not dubbed. He's impersonating everyone. Because his performance, it's that he can't quite nail Matt Berry's specific cadence that gives it away. He tries. He can't quite get there. Um, I, that that was great. I've been doing a lot of rewatching. Um SVU is almost always on at our house just because it's comforting. Let's see. Um, you know, and of course it was on at the hospital several times. So, you know, that, that's always a thing. It's, it's, I, I joke that hospitals should have an SVU channel. Uh, movie wise, you know, I, I hit Shang-Chi. Um, this was a first for me. I missed a Marvel movie in theaters. This is the first time I ever missed a Marvel Cinematic Universe movie in theaters. And it was kind of a willful choice to break it. Uh, I didn't see Eternals. I have, if I'm honest with y'all, I have no interest in Eternals. It'll be on Disney Plus by the time this cast comes out. I don't know if I'm going to watch it. I, I just, I'm so disinterested. I'll watch it just because. I'll watch it, but I like, it's the time. I don't, I don't care enough. And I heard it wasn't very good. So yeah, um, I did watch, um, you know, I'd like to say that I watched some serious stuff this month. No, y'all, it, this, this has been me vegging. Like I said, DuckTales has been eating up most of my time. Like, when I had time, I really needed to be watching DuckTales. Um, I uh, I did read Mike Sack's new book. I, there's a review of it on our site uh, to go to a former guest. I thought it was fantastic. I think it's going to make a lot of people very uncomfortable, and I love that. It's it's a bracing read. It's a very good read. I highly recommend it. Like I said, i um, been keeping up with Rift Tracks. Um, there's been some good stuff there. Um, I, I did watch a couple movies over New Year's with Amanda and a friend. Uh, we watched 13 Ghosts the 2001 movie. You know what? I love that it's basically a full moon feature that just happened to get a theatrical release. Literally, because Benjamin Carr is uh, one of the writers on it, and he wrote Stitches, along with a lot of other shit for them. I also saw that for the first time this Halloween. Yes. Uh, Tab introduced me to it. You, you, you're, you're talking about the remake, right? Yeah, the 2001. It's it's basically uh, it's basically an R-rated Scooby-Doo. Mm-hmm. Pretty much. Complete with this being, of course, the role that Matthew Lillard played just before getting <laughs> yeah. trapped for the rest of his life as Shaggy. Yeah, you mentioned that, and then I <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah, he's he's very much in, I'm doing a dry run for that part mode. Which, again, great, because he would wind up doing it for the rest of his life. Um, he, uh, I love that as soon as Scoob failed, they were like, no, 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 you're, you're back in the part, you're back in the part, you're the only person we want for this part. Jumping back a topic, I don't know if I mentioned this on the cast, but I now have a physical copy of uh, Mike's book, Passable in Pink. Yeah, um, I have a physical copy of Randy, and I I, I love. Oh, it's so great! I also watched Awaiting Further in- Await Further Instructions, and I thought that was just one of the biggest pieces of crap I've seen in a long time. You know, Albert, you and I talked about Vivarium. Yeah, and and that was really goddamn good. Yeah, that, that, you, that's one that I'm actually shocked at how much I liked it. This was kind of the same mood, but just not as good. That's too bad. It's just, it doesn't work. Um, 
it's it's basically a house gets taken a, a get a family gets blocked in at Christmas. It, this was what it was. It was what it was. It just it wasn't very good. I, I really hated it. Um, uh, I watched. I did watch. You know, I saw Shang Chi, and I dug it. I, I dug Hawkeye. Uh, the two comic book movies I do actually want to discuss real quick. Um, I need to get a review on this up, but I watched Injustice. And I actually quite liked it. I actually quite liked it. It was it was what it was. It was an interesting uh, take on the material in that it takes this really epic storyline and tries to shred it down for 75 minutes. And it's not bad. It's It's actually pretty good. It's actually pretty well made. Uh, it's a, it's more an animation demo than anything else. It's actually more an animation demo than anything else, and I think it's pretty good. And but let's see. But you know the the, the movie that I'm going to close this cast out on though is the one that everybody knows I'm going to close it out on. Yeah, Spider-Man No Way Home is pretty damn great. It's a great finale to the, to the Marvel Cinematic Universe trilogy. It's a great finale to all of that. It's just it's really fun. It's really moving. Um. I'm not going to directly say what happens in the third act, but we all know there are some characters that are not being advertised that are in fact in the movie and they're in it for more than just cameos. They're in it to genuinely make the movie better. They are wonderful together. Uh, when these three characters unite, it's great. And, uh, yeah, I dug the hell out of it. I dug the hell out of it. And that's the, and that's the note that I want to close this cast out on. Yeah. So everybody, continue watching things continue yeah. trying to you know survive out there get vaccinated get vaccinated get a booster wear your mask uh, yeah I'm, I'm three times vaccinated myself yeah social distance if you can yep. upgrade your masks if you can yep do everything you can yeah because it's clearly not going away for reasons we will be reasons. doing more of these casts people Unfortunately, yeah. we will. We're, yeah. we're we're smart enough to know that. So, yeah, uh, we're not even going to say what our next cast is going to be because we will just have to figure that out at a later date. We will, yeah. We have one that we think it's going to be, but you know, we we'll have to. Mm-hmm. We're smart enough at this point to just. We'll yeah. talk to y'all next time. Yeah. yeah. Take us out, Albert. Okay. Well, first of all, you can find us on Twitter. We are at the Omniplex Facebook dot com slash the omniplex rate comment on itunes etc etc pod chaser um yes our email address is the omniplex podcast at gmail.com email us suggestions love mail hate mail anything that comes to mind you know send us an email send us a tweet send us a facebook and uh i think that's all our things right yeah good Again, you know, there will be a link in the blog to uh, support Austin during this time. And if you could if you could throw a couple bucks his way, that'd be amazing. Uh, You know, this is this is how you support our cast people. Anyway, yes. So thank you for listening. You know, stay safe out there and uh, we will talk to you next time. I hear what I thought I just heard. I, I'm. Th-
I'm thinking you and I thought the same thing. <laughs> Austin, are you there? Probably not. Th- no. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, let's get back to things. Austin, did we hear what we just thought we heard? What? <laughs> Lola pe- Lola peeked in and said, I shit the bag. I want the bag. Okay. <laughs> that makes more sense. <laughs> no, you did not hear that. By the way, I want that to be our bumper. I want that to be our stinger. Yeah, because... <laughs> no, no, Lola said, I want the bag. Okay. <laughs>